What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 116, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC 253 pay-per-view going down this Saturday, September 26, 2020, from Abu Dhabi, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. That means we are back at Fight Island, we are back in the big UFC cage, and we have 11 fights taking place this Saturday night from Fight Island. I'm going to analyze all 11 fights here shortly, but on a quick betting note, last week was a profitable week in terms of track bets. We profited 2.2 units, and we are up to around 40 units for the year of 2020 in terms of all of our MMA bets. So you can check out all my official bets on my Bet MMA tips page in my Twitter and my YouTube descriptions. So that's where I post all my official bets, and I will be giving my advice on all the betting lines here shortly. So we're going to start things off. In the light heavyweight division, we have Kadis Ibrahimov taking on Danilo Marks. The opening betting line for this one was Kadis Ibrahimov, the favorite at minus 242, Danilo Marks plus 200. Right now, we are seeing Ibrahimov minus 155 to Marks plus 135. More action coming in on the underdog Marks, and I completely understand why. I've been betting against Kadis Ibrahimov in pretty much all of his UFC fights so far. He is 0-3, and he's miraculously getting another chance in the UFC. Against Marks, who is making his UFC debut, I'm pretty unimpressed with Marks. He doesn't have a very impressive record at all. His last two wins were in the Gladiator promotion, which is kind of known for being a really low-level promotion with easy matchups. He actually hasn't even fought pro MMA in about two and a half years, and the last real footage of we have of him was from April of 2017. It was a split decision loss in LFA. I watched the fight, and I actually thought he won the fight pretty convincingly. He hit takedowns and controlled most of the fight, but the referee was standing them up. He wasn't really doing much with his top position, but he was clearly winning the fight, should have won the decision, and he seems to be pretty reliant on his takedowns. His striking isn't bad. He throws out a lot of jabs, but doesn't really have good defense. He has been knocked out before, caught with right hands, and knocked out cold. And Ibrahimov, you know, there's not much to say about the guy at this point. He came into the UFC just charging at his opponents, throwing 100 strike combinations in round one he lost two fights in a row he gassed out badly in those fights and in his most recent fight against Delidze he looked you know traumatized he looked like he didn't want to throw any strikes he barely had any volume he didn't go out and go for that early knockout like he usually does so you don't really know what to expect from Ibrahimov I think if he just goes at uh, Marquez and you know tries to get that early knockout he probably does get it because Marquez's defense is just so bad but he might have to stuff some takedowns here Marks does like shooting a lot of takedowns and I think that's really the only way he wins this fight I would be pretty shocked to see Marks outstrike Ibrahimov because he just hasn't fought in so long and didn't look like a good striker about three years ago so I can't rely on him to make major improvements to outstrike Ibrahimov here so I think Ibrahimov probably gets it done by rock, uh, by knockout in round one. But if you want to bet some props for this fight, I would bet Mark's submission in rounds two and three because Ibrahimov is known for gassing out. Mark shoots a lot of takedowns. And I think that if Ibrahimov does not get that round one knockout, he probably slows down and gasses out like we've seen him do in his recent UFC fights. So... The official pick is going to be Ibrahimov round one knockout. It is not a confident pick. It is dog or pass in terms of money line. And I would uh, advise putting a little sprinkle on that Mark's submission round two, round three props if you have uh, those lines available on your book. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Juan Espino taking on Jeff Hughes. The opening betting line for this one was Espino minus 220 to Hughes plus 185. 
Right now, we are seeing Espino minus 300 to Hughes plus 250. More action coming in on the favorite Juan Espino. Despite him coming off of a pretty long layoff, his last fight was a win, and it was in November of 2018, so nearly a two-year layoff. He had some surgeries, I think, on his hand. So there are some concerns around Espino. He's coming off of some injuries. He's 39 years old. He doesn't have the most MMA experience. He got into MMA very late into his career and has a lot of um, easy wins on his record. He hasn't really been tested at all in his MMA career. So it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back from that long layoff. But on the other side of the equation, Jeff Hughes is just not a very uh, impressive fighter at all. He's actually winless in his first three UFC fights. He lost the first one. Close fight to Maurice Green. He lost by split decision. Uh, Todd Duffy fight was a no contest due to an eye poke, but he looked pretty bad in that fight. And then he was pretty soundly beaten by Rafael Pessoa in his most recent fight, dropping two rounds to him. I think he actually got dropped by Pessoa in that fight too. And Hughes just does not seem to have the takedown defense, the footwork to stop the takedowns of Espino. He did get shot on by uh, Todd Duffy and did stuff some takedowns. And I've seen Hughes stuff takedowns throughout his entire career on the Contender Series. He did so as well. But I don't think the guys that he's fought so far have had the wrestling credentials of Espino. And I think that Espino is probably going to push him up to the cage, get him down to the ground, and likely start to outgrapple and probably submit Jeff Hughes somewhere along the line. I would not be laying the minus 300 chalk on him. I definitely think it's dog or pass at these odds because Espino is untested in the UFC. He's only had one easy win. He's coming off of some surgeries, some injuries, long layoff, 39 years old, grappler. You know, there's a lot of red flags around Espino. So I would definitely stay away from his money line in this one. Although I am picking him to win this one uh, by submission. It could be by decision as well, just getting two rounds of top time, three rounds of top time, and not getting that actual submission. But if Espino is not able to hit those takedowns i probably think uh, jeff hughes outstrikes him it's just very unlikely that this fight doesn't hit the floor at some point so the pick for me is going to be espino submission but it is dogger pass at these odds next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division we have alexa kamur taking on william knight the opening betting line for this one was Kamur, the favorite at minus 130 to Knight plus 110 right now we are seeing kamur minus 160 to Knight plus 140 more action coming in on Alexa Kamur. I agree with that action. I think that Kamur is the more well-rounded fighter, definitely a little more defensively sound, and I think he just has more advantages in this fight. I mean, William Knight is a very fun fighter to watch. He just came off a win on the Contender Series. Uh, his A lot of his fights have a similar theme. He starts losing the fights early. He might even look like he's going to get finished at some times, but he withstands that storm. He works his way back up to the feet. He recovers, and then he usually knocks his opponent out. That's exactly what happened on the Contender Series. He was taken down. He was hurt badly, uh, mounted, and then his opponent got tired. He escaped and then knocked him out a few seconds later. So Knight is a huge muscular guy. It just doesn't seem like he's very great at any aspect of MMA. He's just dirty durable he's tough he's strong he's hard to beat you know i it, he can take a lot of damage before he gets knocked out although he has been knocked out in the past before although it was kind of an early stoppage uh back in cffc not that long ago so i just think kamura is the much uh, cleaner fighter the better technique we have seen him perform in the ufc he went the full 15 minutes and won a decision versus justin ledette early on in the year and i think i just trust kamura to win the minutes of the fight to be the one in better position to win the scorecards if this one does go the distance 
If you look at the stats in this one, it definitely seems like this one is going to end by knockout. All of Knight's wins have come by knockout, and five of six of Kamur's wins have come by knockout. But honestly, with the way these two match up, I think this one is more likely to go to the decision. I like what I saw from Kamur in his last fight. He paced himself. He didn't go for that early round one knockout like he did in some of his early fights. He looked a lot more composed. And I think that Knight's probably going to do the same thing as well. Knight's kind of reactionary. He doesn't really lead in too much or do his own thing. He kind of just waits to see what his opponent's going to do and then tries to counter or reverse somehow. So I think if Kamurich is fighting at a slow pace, using his jab, using his uh, reach and his leg kicks and body kicks that he was using last fight, I think that should be good enough to outstrike Knight on the feet. And if Knight wins this fight, it's going to be by knockout. He just doesn't have the process to win by decision, doesn't have the output to win by decision. And a submission would really surprise me as well. So if you're going to bet Knight in this one, just go by knockout. And I think that Kamur is probably the side to be on here. I just haven't seen enough real skill from Knight to think that he can pass this test versus a pretty athletic and skilled guy like Kamur. So the pick for me is going to be Alexa Kamur by decision. I think I'm not going to be betting this fight. I think it's probably favored or pass at these odds because if you want to bet Knight, just do it by knockout. And I think that Kamur is probably the right side to be on here in terms of the betting window. So once again, the pick is Kamur by decision. Maybe that goes the distance prop or that Kamur decision prop has some value as well. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Shane Young taking on Ludovic Klein. The opening betting line for this one was Young, the minus 165 favorite, to Klein, the plus 125 underdog. Right now, we are seeing Young minus 115 to Klein minus 105. So a near pick'em fight now. Really crazy to see. The early action came in on this fight on Shane Young. He was sitting around minus 180 for a short period of time. And then the action has been steady pouring in on Ludovic Klein, making his UFC debut on short notice. And I understand why. I mean, the guy is a really exciting fighter. He really stands out as being one of the most anticipated debutants uh, of this entire six-month quarantine that we've been dealing with ever since the UFC has had no crowds. They've been getting a lot of new UFC signees. They're signing guys off the Contender Series and signing guys on short notice, and a lot of them look a little underwhelming, but I got to tell you, Ludovic Klein looks like he's the real deal. He has some amazing highlights. He had three head kick knockouts, and I was watching these fights one after the other. I wasn't looking at the results. I was just clicking the links, and I was shocked to see that he was catching these guys with these uh, amazing southpaw head kick knockouts so i'm really excited to see him make his ufc debut here but man is it a tough test a short notice against a proven guy like shane young and shane young is flawed he definitely has his weaknesses uh, like getting hit that's pretty much his biggest problem is he just doesn't have great defense he relies on his chin a little bit too much and he gets hit a lot in his fights the austin arnett fight he got hit a lot was struggling with the jab of arnett and even the Rolando D fight, a really low-level fighter who Young shouldn't have struggled with. He kind of got into a brawl with D. He eventually did knock him out in round two and just had relentless pressure and was really damaging him in that second round. But Young got hit a lot in that fight. He got rocked with a few punches. And that's just not something you want to see when dealing with low-level fighters like Rolando D. Young is also coming off of a pretty long layoff. He hasn't fought in the UFC since his fight with Austin Arnett in February of 2019. So he's coming off about a 20-month layoff, but he's training at City Kickboxing, one of the best gyms in the world. They're in camp right now with Brad Riddell, Kaikar, Franz, Israel, Adesanya that are also on this card. So he has some of the best training partners in the world to prepare with. 
But when I rewatched Shane Young's two most recent fights this week, I lost a lot of faith in him. I think his defense is a huge concern. He just gets hit way too much. He's way too comfortable with eating punches. And he really needs to fix that defense, avoid getting hit, and stop relying on his chin so much. Because in his three fights in the UFC so far, he was rather dominated by Alexander Volkanovsky in his first fight. Very tough fight, but he actually showed pretty good takedown defense and get-ups in that fight. So if Klein attempts takedowns, which he has tend to shown in the past, Klein actually has a pretty good takedown and offensive top game. I think that he's probably going to struggle holding Shane Young down. He might get a quick takedown or two, but Shane Young was able to stand up from a lot of Volkanovski's takedowns, so I'd be pretty shocked to see Klein hold him down. But in his two fights against D and against Arnett, he just got hit way too much for my liking. He lost a lot of minutes in the Austin Arnett fight, but was able to win key moments in the rounds with big knockdowns and big uh, hurting punches. So he's a big, powerful puncher. He has steady volume, but I just do not like his defense at all. And I think that this is going to be a very close striking fight. I think Young should be a little more active, but Klein is going to be the more powerful and accurate guy. And Klein is just the better overall striker, I would say. I think he mixes in his punches and kicks a little better, while Young is pretty much primarily boxing. I think about 80 to 90% of his offense is boxing, so I would like to see Young mix it up a little more. I will say that Klein also has some problems in his striking. I think that he is a little too low volume. Sometimes he's throwing out just jabs, one-twos, and then he fires that big left head kick. So I'd like to see a little more volume from Klein, but it might be a good idea to conserve his volume here because he is taking this fight on short notice. He's probably going to be at a cardio disadvantage here. And I think that if Klein doesn't get a knockout here, he's probably not going to win this one on the scorecards because I just don't think he'll have the cardio or the volume to, to outnumber Shane Young when it comes to the scorecards here. So if Klein is going to win, I think it's going to be by knockout. But I honestly think he has a great chance of getting that knockout with how bad uh, Shane Young's defense is, with how fast and accurate Klein's uh, boxing and head kicks are in particular. I think that he has a great chance at uh, winning by knockout. And I think that if Klein doesn't get that early knockout, he probably is just going to get pressured. He's going to get beat up badly. He's probably going to be looking to shoot takedowns, but I do not think he's going to get much top time. So he's probably going to get knocked out in rounds two or three if he doesn't score his own knockout. So for the first half of the fight, I think I'm going to favor Klein. I think I'm going to favor his accuracy and his power in, in that head kick and that left hand of his. And I think that in the second half of the fight, I'm going to trust Shane Young's cardio, his pressure to add up, and for him to eventually win uh, via knockout in the second or third round. So the pick for me is going to be Shane Young. I got to go with the more proven guy, the better cardio. Uh, you know, he has shown an insane chin. So I think that there's a great chance that Klein has landed some big punches, but Young just will not go away. So I think the people who got in on Klein at plus 130 or above, that plus 150 price he was at for a while, those are great bets. And I, I'm honestly cheering for them because I think it would be great to see Klein uh, get this short notice victory, uh, even though I'm technically picking and young um, it wouldn't be bad at all to see Klein come in here and get a, a crazy knockout or anything so I think this is going to be a great fight I'm really impressed with Klein coming in here and I think this is a great short notice fight the UFC put on for us so it should be a good one and I'm going to pick Shane Young to win by third round knockout, let's say. But it is dogger pass. I think that where the value is at now, though, is Shane Young, minus 115. He opened around uh, 63%. Now he's at about 53%. So the value is on Shane Young at this price. And uh, that's all for this fight. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Jake Matthews taking on Diego Sanchez. The opening betting line for this one is Matthews, minus 450 to Sanchez, plus 350. 
Right now we are seeing Matthews minus 750 to Sanchez plus 525. More action coming in on the favorite, Jake Matthews here. And I agree with the action. I think that where it's at now is definitely dog or pass, but I would not advise putting any money on Diego Sanchez. It just seems like this new coach of his, Josh Fabian, uh, is completely not qualified to be an MMA coach. Maybe even kind of uh, poisoned Diego's mind. It seems like Diego has no real MMA skill left. I mean, that last fight against Michel Pereira, he was walking backwards the entire time using some weird defensive tactics. Wasn't really throwing any strikes. Didn't look like he wanted to win the fight at any moment. So... Diego Sanchez did have two nice wins not that long ago over White and Gall, but that was before he went to this new coach. And I honestly, what I saw from Sanchez in his last fight makes me believe that he is pretty incapable of winning any more MMA fights at the UFC level, especially against a tough guy like Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews is pretty unreliable guy. He has had a couple bad moments in the UFC where he's lost in fights that he shouldn't have. But overall, right now, I think he's the much more capable fighter. He's much more well-rounded everywhere. He's a more dangerous striker. He's got good enough takedown defense to stop any of Sanchez's takedowns. He can even hit his own offensive takedowns if he wants to. But I would advise for him to just keep this fight on the feet, just walk forward, throw a few strikes, and I think that that should be enough to beat Diego Sanchez. So it's definitely dogger pass at these odds. I would not be betting Sanchez minus, or plus 500, and I would not be betting Matthews at minus 700 either. Don't even throw this one in the parlay. There's no value left at these odds. Um, so the pick for me is going to be Matthews. I think it would need to be some crazy circumstance, like a DQ loss, uh, similar to what happened in Sanchez's last fight for Sanchez to win this one. So the pick is Matthews by decision. I don't think he's going to finish it. He's not really an active finisher. I think he just stays on his feet, walks forward, throws strikes, and wins this one in an underwhelming decision. So the pick is Jake Matthews by decision. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Brad Riddell taking on Alex Da Silva. The opening betting line for this one was Riddell, the favorite, at minus 242, Da Silva plus 205. Right now we are seeing Riddell minus 342, Da Silva plus 280. That means way more action is coming in on the favorite, Brad Riddell. I think I'm going to disagree with this action, actually. I think that where the line was set initially was pretty accurate. Maybe Riddell at minus 275 or something is the most I would go, but I'm pretty impressed with Brad Riddell. I think he's one of the best strikers in the UFC. He has an extremely credential kickboxing background. You can look up his kickboxing fights against really high-level opponents, and even his MMA striking is really high-level. It seems like he's uh, transitioning well over to MMA, the footwork and everything, but I will say that he does have trouble uh, stopping takedowns. He has had fights where he's winning the fights, like the Malarkey fight. He was dominating Malarkey in round three, but got taken down, got his back taken, and almost got rear naked choked in a fight that he was dominating. So Riddell does have that problem of takedown defense. Even his most recent fight against Mustafaev, Riddell was hurting Mustafaev with punches at range, but he had a lot of trouble stopping the takedown attempts, stopping the clinch attempts. He wasn't getting taken down and out grappled and stuck on his back. He was just getting a ride against the cage. Mustafaev had that body lock, and Riddell just had a lot of trouble breaking that body lock. He was kind of content to just stay up against the cage and get pushed against the cage, get his not his back taken, but that, that kind of wrestler style when they're just riding on top of you with that body lock. And that's kind of similar to what Alex Da Silva does. A lot of his fights, he goes for takedowns. He's definitely a grapple-heavy guy, and 
he goes for that riding style where he's not going for back take. He just keeps top position. That's kind of what he did uh, versus Vargas not that long ago. But I will say that Vargas is a really bad grappler, much worse takedown defense, uh, way less of a physical of a guy than Riddell too. So Silva's going to have a hard time holding down a muscular guy like Riddell. Riddell is very powerful and he's constantly improving his defensive grappling, his takedown defense. So I'm sure he's going to come in a lot improved from his last fight versus Mustafaev. But at this minus 340 price, I cannot trust Riddell to completely stop those takedowns, to avoid those clinch situations, those riding situations against the cage. Um, I do think that Riddell is going to outstrike Silva pretty easily here. He's likely going to be hurting him with punches and might even score a knockout along the way. But if this fight does hit the scorecards, I have a feeling it will be a close decision. I think that if it does go the full 15 minutes and De Silva is able to not get knocked out, it likely means that he was able to get a lot of top time, a lot of grappling going, a lot of those grinding, stalling positions against the cage, and that decision is going to be close. So I think Riddell's most reliable way of winning the fight is by knockout, and if the fight does go later into the fight, I think it more favors De Silva. So a prop that I saw on FanDuel was De Silva by decision or submission at plus 500. I think that's basically his money line because I think it would be really rare for De Silva to win this one by knockout. So if you want to play De Silva, try to look to see if you can find that prop. It will be available on FanDuel, on Betfair. They use the same odds if you're European. And if you're American, check out the FanDuel props or maybe DraftKings has a similar prop as well. So if you want to bet De Silva, I advise doing the submission decision prop. And I think that De Silva has a chance to win this fight with his grappling, with that takedowns against the cage, with that grinding style. I'm still going to be picking Brad Riddell. I think he avoids those takedown attempts and probably knocks Silva out at some point. He's just the much better striker at range. He has massive power in his hands, and I think that we could see Riddell score a knockout here. It's pretty likely as well. So the pick for me is going to be Riddell. Uh, this money line, it's dogger pass, and I think that there's some value on De Silva submission decision. The next fight is the first fight on the main card we have in the featherweight division. Hakim Dawadu taking on Zubaira Tukhunov. The opening betting line for this one was Zubaira, the minus 160 favorite to Dawadu, plus 140. Right now we are seeing Zubaira, minus 125 to Dawadu, plus 105. So early on in the week, this fight was a minus 110 pick on both sides, but it seems like the past few days, there has been some action coming in on Zubaira Tukhunov. I think that Zubaira is the right side of the money line to be on pre-fight, so I agree with him being the slight favorite here. I think he does have more ways to win the fight. He tends to get takedowns in top time in most of his fights, but as he showed in his last fight against Kevin Aguilar, he has power in his hands. He was able to drop Aguilar with a left hook and finish him off with a barrage of punches for a round one knockout. One thing I will say about Zubaira is that he is very power reliant. A lot of his takedowns, a lot of his knockouts come from just his masses of athleticism and power. And then he tends to slow down later into the fights. He doesn't have the best cardio. In his second most recent fight at UFC 242, he fought Lerone Murphy, and that fight did go to decision. Um, that was in the, the hot Abu Dhabi arena with no air conditioning, so a lot of guys gassed out and struggled with the heat in that arena, but Zubaira definitely expended a lot of energy getting the takedowns in that fight, but just couldn't keep 
Murphy down. Murphy was able to get back up to his feet, land clinch strikes, land distance strikes, even land some strikes off of his back. And Zubaira was just so gassed out in that fight. He was kind of just holding on for dear life, getting takedowns. And the judges correctly scored that fight a draw. So it was nice to see the judges get that one right. And that's what could happen here. I think that uh, Dawadu is the better striker of the two. He's got some very clean striking. Outstruck Julio Arce, who I rate pretty highly in his last fight. And if this fight does stay on the feet, I think we should see Dawadu establish a striking advantage. Although, like I said earlier, Zubaira cannot be taken lightly on the feet. He does have some power in his punches and could make this competitive by just swinging hard shots at Dawadu. Dawadu's takedown defense is definitely his biggest concern in this fight. He was double-legged by Kyle Bochnak two times in their fight, but was able to get back up to his feet pretty quickly. His takedown defense is constantly improving. He's very athletic, hard to hold down, and I think that we probably see Zubaira hit a few takedowns in this fight. I just do not think he's going to do much with the takedowns. We should see Dawadu work his way to the fence, work his way back up to the feet, and land clinch strikes, get back to distance where he should be the better distance striker than Tuhuda. So in terms of a pure pick, I'm going to go with Hakeem Dawadu to do what I just described. Stuff some takedowns, stand up from takedowns, and be the more effective striker in the clinch and at the distance striking. But make no mistake, this will be a very close fight. I think that we actually could see Dawadu struggle and possibly even lose round one, lose the first five to seven minutes of the fight before he really starts to take over. I think he probably has the cardio advantage, and I think he's going to really have that striking advantage late in the fight. So if I were looking to bet Dawadu, like I think I am personally, I'm going to be passing on the pre-fight money line and looking to buy in and the live betting after about a round. And after how I see uh, Hakeem Dawadu react the takedowns if Zubaira is not able to get takedowns consistently if, if he doesn't do much with his takedowns when he gets them I think that Hakeem Dawadu should be in good shape to win this fight uh, by standing up by stuffing takedowns and outstriking so it's a very fun fight great fight to kick off the main card super competitive I think that Zubaira has a path to victory and he's the pre-fight money money line side but I think that Hakeem Dawadu is going to adapt and he's going to win the fight late and win this one by decision so the official pick is Hakeem Dawadu by decision. The next fight takes place in the women's bantamweight division. We have Ketlin Vieira taking on Sajara Eubanks. The opening betting line for this one was Vieira minus 282, Eubanks plus 240. Right now we are seeing Vieira minus 185 to Eubanks plus 160. Much more action coming in on the underdog Sajara Eubanks here, and rightfully so. That opening line was set way too high in favor of Ketlin Vieira, and even the current line I think is probably dogger pass, and there is some value left on Sajara Eubanks. One glaring detail about this fight that stands out is the difference in activity between these two. Ketlin Vieira has only had one fight in the past two and a half years. It was against Irina Aldana, and she lost by knockout in round one. And in those two and a half years that Vieira has one fight, Sajara Eubanks is 4-2 with four solid wins against Lauren Murphy, Roxanne Modafari, uh, Julia Avila, and Sarah Moras. And her only two losses being to Aspen Ladd and Besh Kohea, not the worst losses. Although Sajara definitely had some problems with cardio earlier in her career. Um, she seems to be working out those problems, though, in her most 
most recent fight, she was able to hit takedowns in all three rounds and keep top position and not gas out and look bad in the later rounds like she had versus Besh Kohea and like she had in some of her fights in the past as well. She had some weight cutting problems down at 125, but I think Sajara is really getting used to this 135 weight class and Make no mistake, she's going to be at a size disadvantage here. Vera is four inches taller, definitely the more natural bantam weight between the two. When I was re-watching Vieira's fights this week, I was actually pretty unimpressed with what I saw. I would say that her best victory in the UFC is probably her submission win over Sarah McMahon, but... Sarah McMahon actually took down Vieira in round one of that fight, kept Vieira on her back for about four minutes. Vieira was playing full guard, not really working back up to her feet, and showed some pretty poor get-ups in that fight, which could be very relevant to this matchup with Sajara. Sajara attempts a lot of takedowns, she has good top game, and I think that if Sajara is able to get on top versus Vieira, we could see her win rounds, we could see her look to pass, look to submit. She probably will not submit Vieira because she's a tough grappler, very um, hard to submit woman on bottom. Sarah McMahon couldn't even do it when she passed her guard and mounted her. So I doubt that Sajara Eubanks finishes her. But she's very live to, to get those takedowns to win via top time to win rounds here. But in that Sarah McMahon fight, Vieira was able to come back in round two. McMahon was actually kind of gassed out for going in a, for a finish in round one. And Vieira was able to get her own takedown and submit McCann with an arm triangle, um, which wasn't even fully locked in. So it definitely seemed like Sarah McMahon was really gassed out in that fight. And Vieira was able to come back and win. Vieira's other good win on her resume is a pretty sloppy back and forth uh, decision win over Kat Zingano. I thought she won the fight pretty comfortably despite it being a split decision, but when you just look at Vieira's resume, she's very untested, and I think that Sajara Eubanks has the better resume. She's more active. She has wins over good women like Avila, like Roxanne Modafari, like Lauren Murphy. I mean, those are three very relevant women's fighters right now, Murphy, Modafari, and Avila, and Sajara Eubanks has unanimous decisions over all three, so I think that Eubanks is the more proven fighter. She's extremely active. I think that she's improving her cardio. Her striking's constantly better, and I think that her takedowns are going to be a major factor here. Eubanks has hit takedowns on every one of her UFC opponents, and I think that we're going to see Eubanks hit takedowns here, outgrapple Vieira. Vieira's get-ups have not looked bad, or have looked bad. Her takedown defense is not great, so I think that Vieira is at a huge liability in this fight. In terms of striking, I do think Vieira is the more damaging and effective striker. She tends to be low output on the feet at some times, but when she really lets her hands go, she has damage, damaging punches. She was able to make it competitive with Aldana on the feet before getting caught in that fight. So if the fight stays on the feet, I do favor Vieira to land the harder, more effective punches. But Vieira's cardio is untested late in the past few years. Her takedown defense, her get-ups, these are major problems from Vieira, and you cannot trust her at minus 185. So it's dogger pass all day. And in terms of a, an official prediction, I'm going to still pick Sajara Eubanks as the underdog. I think she comes through as that plus 160 underdog and wins this fight by decision. So she's probably going to be a bet for me and uh, haven't locked in, locked in any action yet because I think that the price will fluctuate. We're still seeing some action come in on Vieira. So I'm holding off to make my official bet, but my official bets will be on my bet MMA tips page. But once again, Eubanks by decision to pull off the upset victory is the pick here. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Kai Kara France taking on Brandon Royval. The opening betting line for this one was 
France minus 185 to Roy Vall plus 160. Right now we are seeing France minus 242, Roy Vall plus 200. More action coming in on the favorite Kai Car France in this one, and I agree with the action. It's a pretty simple fight to break down, in my opinion. Roy Vall, very inexperienced in the UFC, only one fight, and I'm just unimpressed with his overall game. He's a very submission reliant grappler, but he doesn't have great takedowns. He's not a very positionally sound grappler where he doesn't really establish position, get dominant positions like mount or back takes. He seems to get a lot of his submissions in transition, arm bars, guillotines, triangles, and that's just very low percentage stuff. And when he's facing better well-rounded grapplers like Casey Kenny, he got outgrappled very badly. And even Tim Elliott in his UFC debut was outgrappling Roy Vall, was hitting takedowns at will. Tim Elliott usually had a pretty good gas tank throughout his career, but in the second round of that fight, he was already gassed out, but he was still hitting takedowns and getting some top position time on Roy Vall in that round too, but around the seven minute mark, Elliott was completely gassed out. He flopped to his back and Roy Vall was able to arm triangle him from top position. But to be honest, that was a pretty unimpressive fight from Roy Vall. I really didn't see anything good in that fight except for him being able to capitalize on Elliott when he was gassed out. I guess he showed some toughness and some resilience by making it through that fight and getting the victory. But still, no real skill from Roy Vall impressed me in that fight. I just see Kaikar France is the much better well-rounded fighter. He's the better striker, no question. And I think he's even got the takedown defense to avoid the takedowns of Roy Vall, avoid getting caught up in any submission. And I give Royval a very low chance to get a submission in this fight. I'd say his chances of winning are around 20%. So there's still some value left on Kai Car France. I just think he's the much more well-rounded fighter. Better striker, no question. Has the takedown defense and the, the defensive grappling ability to avoid takedowns, to stay off his back, to avoid those submissions. And I think the Kai Car France wins this fight handedly. France doesn't have the greatest finishing ability. We actually haven't seen him get a finish yet in the UFC. And he actually was dominating some of those fights, uh, like the Elias Garcia fight, and still didn't finish. So I don't have much faith in Kaikar France to get a late finish. But in rounds two and three, I think this could turn into a beatdown, a very decisive victory for Kaikar France. So I'm going to predict like a 30-26 decision victory for Kaikar France in this one. I think that even at minus 240, there's some value left on Kaikar France. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division for the vacant UFC light heavyweight championship. We have Dominic Reyes taking on Jan Blahovic. The opening betting line for this one was Reyes minus 200 to Blahovic plus 170. Right now we are seeing Reyes minus 290 to Blahovic plus 245. So much more action coming in on the favorite Dominic Reyes here, and I'm going to disagree with the action. I think that where the opening line was set was very accurate, and I think that where the line sits at now is actually pretty disrespectful to Jan Blahovic. Where the money line is at right now, I think it is a clear dog or pass, and I think there's a lot of value on Jan Blahovic in this one. And what a great fight. I want to say right off the bat, John Jones is no longer the light heavyweight champion, and we have two young, fresh guys in their prime going at it for the belt. Really excited for this fight. Um, so one thing I'll say right off the bat is when you're looking at these two guys' records, I think that one has a clearly better record and is the more proven guy in the UFC, and that is Jan Blahovic. Just taking a quick glance at their records, I think that Jan Blahovic has the much more impressive resume. And we're going to start things off on Dominic Reyes' side. He has seven fights in the UFC. He's technically 6-1, although he should be 7-0 with the John Jones win. Uh, should have counted. 
Now, four of those wins are round one finishes, some of them over inferior competition like Kimball and Christensen, some of them over guys like Cannoneer and Weidman who really didn't really belong at the 205-pound weight class. So we're really left with three decision wins, uh, one over Ovin St. Pru, a rather dominant decision victory. Ovin St. Pru, not really an elite-level fighter, though. Always been a tough veteran, but never really elite. Uh, Volkan Ozdemir was a decision victory, a split decision. A lot of people thought he lost that fight. I personally did give Reyes that fight. I thought he won it pretty clearly, but he showed some problems with getting taken down in that fight. He got hit with some punches versus Ozdemir, and overall, he did look vulnerable versus Ozdemir. And Reyes' best performance was his most recent fight against John Jones. He outstruck John Jones in rounds one, two, and three. He did lose round four and five, but he was still hard to hold down, hard to take down. He had good cardio throughout that full fight, even though he did definitely slow down after the third round. He should have won the fight 48-47, but the judges robbed him of it. So very unfortunate uh, decision. But Reyes really should be the, the, the reigning champion right now. And I think that that's kind of why you're seeing him be a big favorite here. I think he's getting a, a little too much respect from the audience, from the market. And I think that Jan Blachowicz is getting a little bit underrated here. Now, jumping over to Jan Blachowicz's record, when he first came in the UFC, he struggled a bit. He lost a few fights, and then he has really turned a corner. He is 7-1 in his past eight fights. He won those fights by three-round decision, five-round decision, by submission, by knockout. He He's really won by a, a vast mixture of ways, and that's why I think that he's the more well-rounded fighter, and I think that's why, that's why he has more ways to win this fight versus Reyes. I think that he can compete and possibly even win the distance striking with his heavy boxing with his powerful punches i think that he can get this fight into the clinch and kind of stall along the fence like he did versus jacare and win that way or he could look to hit offensive takedowns look to get a submission game his top game going which is not bad at all I don't think he's going to hit takedowns easily here because Reyes did show very good takedown defense versus John Jones. But if Blahovich is able to cover those takedown entries with some strikes, if he's able to mix up his level changes a little bit, I think that he could get Dominic Reyes down for short periods of time, and that could be big in terms of swaying close rounds. Now, one very important factor about this fight that I think is a little bit unknown, I think this is a little untangible, and I don't think anybody has a really definite read on this, is the cardio of these two. How will the cardio match up? Now, in their most recent five-round performances, Blahovich went to the five-round distance, won a decision versus Jacare Souza. That was a very boring fight. Not much happened in that fight. It was a lot of stalling and clinching against the cage, and it wasn't really a good cardio performance from Jan Blahovich, despite him winning that fight via decision. Now you look at Reyes' five-round performance against John Jones, he had extremely high output in rounds one, two, and three. The output dropped off and he lost rounds four and five, but in terms of a five-round performance, in terms of 25 minutes of cardio, I think that Reyes looked a little bit more prepared to strike for five rounds, to have a hard five-round fought fight. So that's going to make this really interesting when it comes down to comparing who has the better cardio. And that's just one of the many factors of this fight that is so close and makes it such a hard fight to predict. When envisioning the fight, I do think that most of the fight takes place in the distance striking, and I think I see two pretty big advantages for Jan Blachowicz in the distance striking, and that is checking leg kicks and pocket boxing. 
Reyes throws a lot of kicks. He goes to the legs and to the body. And Blahovich just checks a lot of kicks. He checks leg kicks a lot and even checks body kicks with his knees sometimes. And is just a very experienced defensive striker. And I think that that's going to be really key here. I just think that Blahovich sees the strikes coming at him a little better. He has a little bit better counter punching ability. And that's why I think he's going to edge the distance striking here, which not a lot of people are predicting. I think the common narrative here is that Dominic Reyes just outstruck John Jones, who is apparently the number one best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. So if Dominic Reyes was able to outstrike him, then Dominic Reyes must be one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world now. And I think that that is just jumping the gun a little bit too much. I think that John Jones is way past his prime in 2020, and beating him doesn't mean nearly as much as it once was. And I think the market is kind of overrating Reyes' performance, and they're underrating Jan Blahovic here. So at that plus two 45 price. I think there is a ton of value. I think that I would cap this fight closer to 57% for Reyes, 43% for Jan Blahovic. And in terms of a pre-fight bet, I think that the correct side to be on here is Jan Blahovic. So I will be betting Jan Blahovic at that plus 245 price. I'll probably wait to, to put in my action until fight day because there's still action pouring in on Reyes at this massive favorite price. And I think that those bets are way off. I think those are terrible bets. And I will be on Jan Blahovic for about one and a half to two units here, depending on where the price closes at. So once again, this is an amazing matchup. It's going to be a really fun, competitive fight. I wish these guys the best. I hope they both come out and put on uh, good, entertaining performances. I hope we get to see them uh, battle it out and we don't get like a quick knockout or anything. Although, if it is a quick knockout, I think that is Jan Blahovic, so it favors us too. So... Jan Blahovic is the pick for me in this one. It's going to be a great fight. I will be betting him as an underdog, and I think he wins the light heavyweight championship here on Saturday night. The next fight is the main event of the evening in the middleweight division for the UFC middleweight championship. We have champion Israel Adesanya taking on challenger Paulo Costa. The opening betting line for this one was Adesanya minus 140 to Costa plus 120. Right now, we are seeing Adesanya minus 170 to Costa plus 150. More action coming in on the favorite, Israel Adesanya, although there is two-way action coming in on this fight. This line has been bouncing from minus 150 to minus 185. There is definitely two-way action coming in on this fight, and another incredible matchup. I gotta say, a lot of UFC title fights nowadays are the champion versus the number four ranked competitor, the champion versus a guy who's never fought at the weight class or champ champ matchups there's a lot of low level title fights going on in the ufc but i gotta say this is truly one of those title fights where it is number one versus number two two undefeated guys going at it for the middleweight championship what an incredible matchup some of us have been waiting for this fight for a year now since uh israel really beat whitaker back in october so yeah 11 months in the making even longer for Paulo Costa because he beat Yoel Romero. He earned his title shot in August of 2019. So he's been waiting 13, 14 months for this to happen. So I'm sure he's extremely prepared. He's constantly improving. But man, oh man, is this a tough matchup for Paulo Costa. He is running into the best striker in the sport, Israel Adesanya, the former kickboxing champion, 75-5 in kickboxing, 19-0 in MMA, has had an an insane run in the UFC since coming in just about two and a half years ago. He's already 7-0, I think. He beat legends like Anderson Silva, Yo Romero. He beat the reigning champion, Robert Whitaker, who is one of the best fighters of our generation. And along the way, 
In his route to the title, he picked up extremely high-quality wins over Marvin Vittori, Brad Tavares, Derek Brunson, all really tough guys. So Israel Adesanya has had a tough route to the title, and he's passed every single test with flying colors, only really struggled in a few fights. But when you compare Israel Adesanya's resume to Paulo Costa's resume, I think that there's a huge discrepancy. Costa is only 5-0 in the UFC. Three of those wins aren't really relevant. Two against guys who aren't in the UFC anymore, never really deserved to be. One against Johnny Hendricks, who was at one point an elite level fighter, but was way past his prime at this point. It was a pretty easy matchup for Borshina. And he really has two relevant wins left. That's Uriah Hall, a pretty even fight that lasted for about seven and a half minutes. Uriah Hall was landing a lot of jabs on Borshina. He actually rocked him with a punch, sat him down to one knee at one point, but Costa just had a relentless pressure in that fight, insane durability, and just marched Uriah Hall down, was able to get him his back to the cage, and do what he does best. And what Boracini does best is pressure you, he cuts you off with body kicks, big body punches, he digs to the body very well, and then he gets you against the cage and he tees off with long combinations. He is a very skilled combination striker. He mixes up punches and kicks well. Those body kicks are nasty. As I mentioned, he punches to the body a lot. He did a lot of body work on Uriah Hall, which led to the finish. Even on Yoel Romero, he was landing nasty body kicks, landed in an insane head kick in round three versus Romero, which would have knocked out most people, but not insane juggernauts like Yoel Romero. One big thing to look at about the Uriah Hall fight is how much Paulo Costa struggled with the jab of Uriah Hall. He just seemed like he had no real answer for the jab. He ate a lot of big jabs coming forward and kind of just relied on his durability. He's not going to be able to do that versus uh, Israel Adesanya. Israel Adesanya is going to be landing nasty jabs. He's going to be angling off using his superior footwork to avoid getting his back to the cage because if you don't put your back to the cage you don't put yourself on that outer ring of the octagon it is very hard for Paulo Costa to get his offense going so that's what this fight is going to be about a lot of people think it's going to be some crazy barn burner of a fight but it's going to be about footwork and it's going to be about cage craft um, Aiden Haynes of the fight site wrote an incredible article about Israel Adesanya's footwork his cage craft how well he angles off when he's being pressured I really advise you check that out because it really is a high-level article written about a high-level fighter, and that's what that's what it takes. Some of these fights we analyze when we're in the Martian MMA podcast when we're predicting UFC fights, they're easy to predict. They're very linear, but there are some fights like this one, like high-level championship matchups that come down to really intricate-level details, and you know sometimes I feel like I'm not even qualified to talk about that, so I have no problem referring to experts like Aiden, uh, other analysts, and listening to some opinions, and I learned a lot in that article about Israel Adesanya and his footwork and I think that's going to come into play in this fight because anytime Paulo Costa is is going at Israel Adesanya is throwing that volume is being aggressive Izzy is going to angle off he's going to avoid getting his backed up to the fence and he's going to counter Paulo Costa and make him pay for those mistakes when envisioning how I see the fight going, I do think it'll be a very close competitive fight for the first two rounds, and that's going to be Paulo Costa's window of opportunity to win in this fight, because he's either going to have to get out to an early lead in the first two rounds, or hurt Israel, knock Israel out in the first two rounds, because after that, once it gets into the third, fourth, fifth round, we're going to see Israel Adesanya's striking advantage start to take over, he's going to make more reads, he's going to figure Paulo Costa's timing out, and we're going to start to see the cardio advantage of Israel Adesanya take place as well. 
The cardio is a huge factor in this fight. Paulo Costa has never even been scheduled for a five-round fight. As a matter of fact, in the Yoel Romero fight, it was the first time he's actually been into round three of his pro career. So Israel Adesanya has a massive cardio and experience advantage in those later rounds. So that's why Paulo Costa has to start fast and aggressive because if he does not, Israel Adesanya's striking advantage, he's going to make reads, he's going to have a cardio advantage in those later rounds. And we also have seen Israel Adesanya carry his power late into the fight. In the Kelvin Gastelum fight, he was rocking Kelvin Gastelum bad in round five, knocked him down multiple times and did an insane amount of damage. So Israel Adesanya carries that power late. And if Paulo Costa makes it out around two and three, I think he's going to be in deep trouble. And he's probably going to get finished in rounds four and five in those championship rounds at some point, because I just think that that cardio and experience advantage is going to massively take over over for Israel Adesanya. He's going to start landing the more powerful damaging strikes. And as we learned in Adesanya's past few fights, he is not just a kickboxer, a point fighter. He has power in his punches. He knocked down Robert Whitaker two times. He knocked him out in the second round. He was hurting Kelvin Gaston really badly, as I just mentioned. You cannot take the power of Israel Adesanya lately. He is an extremely hard hitter, especially in his counter punches. So in terms of an official prediction in this one, I am going to be picking Israel Adesanya to win by fourth round knockout. I think the first two rounds will be very competitive. I think Costa probably wins one of the two rounds, but in late round two, early round three, I think that that's when we start to see the cardio of Costa fall off a cliff. And I think that that's when we start to see Israel Adesanya really start to figure out Costa, start timing him with his feints, start hurting him with strikes badly. And I think that Costa is going to take a pretty massive amount of punishment. He has shown an insane chin, took a lot of damage in the old Romero fight before he went away. And it's probably going to take a combination of exhaustion and damage to finish Paulo Costa, which is why I think he probably makes it into the championship rounds before getting finished and it wouldn't even completely surprise me to see uh, Costa tough it out to a decision just get completely battered in those last two rounds maybe Israel Adesanya plays it safe and doesn't engage too much and just is content to cleanly outstrike Costa to a pretty dominant decision maybe 49 46 or something like that so in terms of a pre-fight money line bet I do think that Paulo Costa is the right side to be on here because I think that he probably starts fast he starts aggressive he gives uh, Israel Adesanya some problems in round one and I think that you'll get a better price on Israel Adesanya midway through round one, after round one, halfway through round two. So if you're looking to bet Israel Adesanya, which I am at some point, I will be looking to do it live uh, somewhere after round one, maybe at, before the end of round two, I think is we're going to get the best price on Israel Adesanya. Maybe we get him towards evens, maybe even a slight underdog if Paulo Costa is coming out strong. Um, although it would not completely surprise me to see an immediate striking advantage for Israel Adesanya. Maybe we just right away see the levels to striking on display. And it's possible that Adesanya starts outstriking him early in round one. But I think it's more likely that we see the aggression, the volume, the power of Costa actually give Adesanya some trouble. And it's going to be a close competitive first five or seven minutes before the advantages and experience of Adesanya take over late in the fight and get that late knockout. So once again, the official prediction is Israel Adesanya by fourth round knockout. Pre-fight money line, it is dog or pass. I think it is Costa a little bit of value pre-fight. But I will be looking to live bet Israel Adesanya after round one at some point. So... That is going to do it for the podcast this week. It's an incredible card, incredible main card. 
Really looking forward to the, the debut of Ludovic Klein. I'm really looking forward to seeing Brad Riddell, Kaikar France, Hakim Dawadu. That's going to be a great fight with Zubaira. Uh, the, the quick turnaround of Sajara Eubanks against Ketlin Vieira. And of course, the two title fights, two really high-level title fights with uh, some of the best guys in the in the weight class in the world uh, fighting for those titles. So it's going to be an amazing pay-per-view. Thank you all for listening. Just want to give a quick shout out to It's Not Cage Fighting. I was a guest on the It's Not Cage Fighting YouTube channel. So uh, I will put that link in the description. If you go over to their uh, preview show, show some love, drop a like, drop a comment, and uh, let Carl know that you uh, appreciate for having me on the program. It was a lot of fun to record that podcast. So that is going to do it for this podcast. I will be back next week before the next UFC card. Hope you all enjoy the pay-per-view. Hope you win some bets and you can see my official bets on my Bet MMA tips page. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the card. Peace. Peace.